Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear magazine's editor, joined by Ollie. Ollie, Marriage and Q, that is, and Rowan Horncastle in the studio for another in our series of stories from the Top Gear archive. We're calling them That Time We Dot Dot Dot. And today it is the turn of Mr Q um, to pick his favourite story that he's written from the archive and tell us a bit more about it, how it came about, what actually happened, things we didn't know, how he felt, what he had for breakfast that day. Whatever details you want, Ollie. Um, what have you chosen? I've chosen, uh, but it was baked beans, fried egg, <laughs> so over easy. Oh, the feature. Now, this is that time we went to Wisconsin and drove world exclusively the US Army's brand new car. Brilliant. I Not... mean, this is what we're in the business of, right? We test <laughs> yeah. new cars for a living. Often they're hatchbacks, sometimes they're supercars. But I thought, what could possibly be more important than the car that the world's biggest fighting force will use to win its wars for the next half century. Is so, this car a tank? Is that I was going to say, is it a Hummer replacement? Exactly that. It is the replacement for the Humvee. So this thing is called the Oshkosh JLTV, which is a bit of a clumsy name. It stands Ooh, for, stand for Joint God. Light Tactical Vehicle. And, and it's not light. It's about six tons. <laughs> it's uh, super leger is on the way. It's so, like compared to a house. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is a really, really important bit of kit because, yeah, Ollie, you mentioned there that they replaced the Humvee, and that's exactly right. The, the US Army was in a bit of a crisis that Humvees were basically taking an absolute pasting everywhere that they were deployed because they were just hopelessly underprepared for the way that warfare had evolved. So the Oshkosh JLTV was the answer to, right, we need to something for troops to drive around the battlefield and beyond. Um, and it's got to it's got to live up to what the enemy's throwing at us now. So it's the result of a, and I've got to look at my numbers here, it was a $6.75 billion contract. And it went out to everyone, to, to Lockheed and so on and so forth, to build, yeah, we, we the US Army got this set of specifications. We need to put this many troops, they need to go this quickly, they need this much armament. And it was Oshkosh, from the town of Oshkosh in Wisconsin, who um who 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 got the nod? And... I would love to get hold of one of these briefs because you hear about them. There was a brief for the original Jeep. Um, there was a, a military yeah. brief for what that should be. Mm. Uh, the Hummer, but this the same thing all those yeah. years so the, ago. The Hummer, you know the reason it's the shape is it's a really odd shape. It's really wide and really low. And the reason for that is it had to be really really wide so it could drive along in oh, tank yeah. trucks. Yeah, and actually the new Hummer EV is the same width as the original one, which was, as you say, designed so it could drive in tank. The new one obviously has absolutely <laughs> no place driving behind a tank. <laughs> and yet it is that's heritage for because you. it's that's yeah. heritage. But yeah, it was, so, it was super wide for that purpose, but it was also really, really low. That was one of the problems with it because it had to fit into the transport aircraft at the time. And, to and they didn't have fancy in... lift suspension. Correct. So there you go. So that's why. And that was on the, you know, the soldiers, by the time they've got all their kit on, this thing's really, really cramped and they're banging their head. That is one of many, many problems with the Humvee. So it's no, Oshkosh. But, but, but the reason I wanted to get hold of one of these briefs is because I think we could come up with a Top Gear take mm. on it, don't you? Mm. It would be quite good fun. You know, it needs to be this size and this weight and go this far and we'll just solve it. But hold on a second. Oshkosh, 
what kind of car company? Because haven't they just done the new like UPS van or postal van or something like that? They've Don't just they also that? make dungarees for toddlers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I think that <laughs> different different <laughs> companies, you know, in the same vehicles. way that tactical a, dungarees. A Polo is a mint and a Volkswagen. Some things share a name, oh. but yeah, yeah. So Oshkosh do have a it's like civilian division. Um, but and if you want to go and you know do that story around delivering parcels, then more party. I'm interested. <laughs> I have in, actually pitched it in to the them, weapons. Yeah. So um, yeah, this this is what happened. I I just I read about this story, and this is the thing. This you know we talk about on the podcast about how these stories came about. Often it is just you know you come across an article and you just save it on your phone or you just circle it in the paper. I think that's interesting, and you know you do a bit of googling, and you find out if these people have have got a contact, and some are more easy difficult than others but um yeah a u.s defense contractor they don't tend to have like a press fleet you can ring up and go oh could we book one in because yeah. we'd like to you know pop we're to after a, a long term yes exactly <laughs> we've, got, sit with you? we've got a land rover group <laughs> test coming up and we'd love to pop your off-roader into it but it, it wasn't that distant from that it was an email that i just popped off from you know the bbc account saying congratulations on your $6.75 billion contract. That sounds lovely. Um, when it's finished, would you mind awfully if I had a go? And amazingly, two days later, so this is back in um, August 2015, so a hell of a long time ago that they got the contract, I did get an email back from someone going, thanks for your interest. Um, we'll, we will be in touch. The, the main problem wasn't that the car wasn't going to be ready that quickly because they'd obviously already submitted the design and built some prototypes. The problem was that like everything in America, when a big contract is awarded, it has to go through loads and loads of legal appeals from the other really hacked off companies who yeah. didn't get the billions of dollars from the government. So they were like, once that's all ironed out, it was rigged. It all was, that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. thing. And this was, yeah, in the middle of the Trump presidency as well. So it was an interesting time to, to be dealing with this kind of stuff. Um, they were like, yeah, once that's all sorted, then you are more than welcome. And they're as good as their word. And that was why in autumn of 2018, uh, myself and um, Mark Fagelson hopped on a flight to uh, Chicago, uh, picked up a Nissan Sentra hire car, which I think at the time was the, it was like the Dacia Sandero of America. It was the cheapest car you could get in America. You're it's the only person to have ever remembered driving a Nissan Sentra. Well, Everyone yeah. else has just <laughs> because it's driving it through Wisconsin, it was like being in like a Citroen Ami in like Land of the Giants. <laughs> it was ridiculous. You have pickup trucks that could practically drive over the top of you. So there we are in this like little. Nissan Micra with a boot stuffed full of camera gear went and stayed at the most seedy flea-bitten motel I've ever you know the, the one full kind of no country for old men yeah. horror story motel and then um, yeah just went and drove into the, the factory gates the following morning knocked on the door and said hello we're the chaps from Top Gear we're here to drive the US Army's new car please did you sort of I'm definitely not a Russian spy you know <laughs> yeah, was there a vesting process <laughs> yeah yeah is there security as you go in in so much as yeah I imagine they probably had a quick look at the old you know the, 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 the mothballed Facebook account and made sure <laughs> that... seen you in Malia after GCSEs yeah, yeah. checked out the Sentra's undercarriage yeah it no. wasn't as like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as I'd hoped for really it wasn't oh. you, know, you really thought that they were gonna you know they would be shining a bright light in my face and electrodes would be attached to me but it was more just kind of so you want to drive it for a magazine? <laughs> yeah. And it was, yes, please. And we're going to take some pictures. That's where the problems begun. Because, of course, on a heavily classified piece of military equipment, there are certain things you can't take a photograph of. One of those things, as it turned out, was the interior. So I was allowed to describe the interior 
but we weren't allowed to photograph it. Now, I thought this is going to be great because when I get back, the MOD are going to be straight on the phone going, right, tell us what you know. And I'll be on the official <laughs> never got a phone set. call from Amazingly, me. the defence oh. secretary never did ring up and go, what's the dashboard like? And, you know, are there, are there plastics as soft touch as a Land Rover's? But, um, yeah, that was as it turned out, that was pretty much the only limitation. Otherwise, it was, here's a Humvee so you can see what, we've, what we're coming from yeah. and what we had to kind of beat. And here's a JLTV. Did, did you have a go in the Humvee? Yeah, so I drove the Humvee. We basically set off into the town of Oshkosh and just started driving around. And because the lo- on public roads. Yeah, absolutely. Because the locals, to them, it's like when, you know, like that Airbus factory, every now and again, it like spits out a wing for an A380. And like to us, that's crazy. But to the locals, they're like, oh, look, there's another airline now coming down the road. It's not, it's just not interesting because it's just like, it's like if you live next door to the Cadby factory, you get bored of the smell of chocolate eventually. Mm. They're not fussed by seeing massive military kit rolling around. But I was in the Humvee and it is probably the worst car I've ever driven. And it not just in a sort of, you know, obviously it's not very refined and stuff, but just you sit on basically a metal box with some padding on it the engine's like in the middle of the room and is just making an awful of sending fumes at you and it's just it's hopelessly under equipped for what it is this the one i was driving was like completely stripped out uh demobbed and unarmored yeah so no no guns no no yeah yeah, yeah. but no uh, but the main problem is it with the so it's got a 190 horsepower diesel v8 engine and the reason it's so low powered is because it has to go to you know if you're deploying to you know, a part of the world you're not really sure of the fuel quality you have to wind the power down so the engine doesn't blow itself up if the fuels full of soil fine we can all get that but you know the humvee started off and it weighed 2.4 tons but as these things started to really take a beating from you know improvised explosive devices and and you know new the new ways that insurgents were attacking them they had to strap on loads of armor and that's the humvees that were ended up being used in iraq were six tons and once you're powering that with 190 horsepower they could not get out of their own way the other problem was was that you imagine, you know what it's like, Jack, when you, you know, Ollie, you take the kids away for the weekend and you load up the car. What happens to that car? It sinks right down on its suspension, doesn't it? So yeah, Humvee, it gets covered in crumbs. Yeah, that what happens to <laughs> yeah, the soldiers, yeah, <laughs> <crumbs>. <laughs> chocolate in the trim. But the thing had no suspension travel. These things were riding out, bottomed out, riding around, bottomed out on their suspension. So you can't go fast over rough ground to flee anything. You can't get out of your own way because it's got no power. And if you do take a hit, because the armor's been retrofitted it's not actually that strong. So ultimately, these things are basically sitting ducks. And we kind of sneer at the Humvee a little bit and you know, because of how it became this sort of weird Arnold Schwarzenegger-endorsed road car. But the, the fact is that the, the military vehicle, which has been the successor, if you like, to the Jeep, you know, it started out in the 80s, but by the mid-2000s, Afghanistan and Iraq, it was completely outclassed, outgunned, and it was a death trap. That's why there was this urgency to to replace it. So I very quickly became clear, right, I can see why you, you, you needed to do something about this because this thing is a shed. For the people, it's actually quite, quite useful because we don't have the, the in the world of audio mm. photos to go off. So explain what the Oshkosh looks like inside and out and how it differs to a Humvee. So the Oshkosh is much, much taller. It's much more of a monster truck. I don't really play Halo, but it looks like the car out of Halo. It's much, much bigger, stockier. It's got huge amounts of um, suspension travel. Tiny, tiny windows, because the windows are, you know, you don't really need to see out. You can use a camera for that. And that way you can make the glass about a foot thick in place. And it's just, it's 
it's an absolute tank, as Ollie said earlier. In fact, the boss of Oshkosh, who was a really nice chap, big guy, big mustache, George Mansfield, turned up that day in his 6.7 litre Chevy Silverado to give me the factory tour. Um, I said, like, how would you sum up? Like, what was your elevator pitch to the US Army? Like, you know, when you had to go down to the Pentagon and show off this thing. And he said, we wanted the protection. I'm not going to do the voice. We wanted the protection. <laughs> you, <tried. laughs> you thought about it. You were going. <laughs> the protection of a light tank and the mobility of a Baja race truck. And that's a brief we can all get on board with. And that's not just bravado. Where do either. I sign? What was his name? George Mansfield. Where do I sign George? George? Send it over. Where do I sign? The Baja connection is not just like marketing rubbish. When they were testing out the really trick suspension for this thing, they built a car, took it to the Baja 1000 and completed the race on their first attempt. And that just, just just to shake down the suspension, this thing's literally got motorsport pedigree in it. Yeah, that's... That's so it's a, yeah it's a much good. bigger car it's 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 a four door with a kind of pickup truck back but with a frame on top so you can mount weapons and armor and all kinds of bits and bobs to it and the fact that it's taller isn't necessarily a problem because the suspension is so trick that it can squat right down to kind of get on its sort of hands and knees if you like and crawl into a an army transport mm. or go on a train and so it doesn't get like you know decapitated going for a tunnel but then when you get to the battlefield you press the button and up it goes on its suspension and you've got masses of suspension travel and you can just charge across pretty much anything so is it air suspension or well you don't have to say of all the things that were classified the suspension technology was by far and away the thing they were most sensitive over they told me that it had a 6.7 liter chevy diesel v8 in it the same engine as george the company boss had in his civilian truck obviously it's tuned up a bit to deal with the fact that it weighs six and a half tons with the light armor on um so yeah, and that's and it's got this, it's got a normal Chevy gearbox because these things are easy to get spares for, and you're more likely to be able to repair it out in the field. And the steering and that is all pretty civilian. It's the suspension that is the full-on weapons grade um, sort of piece of technology underneath this car. And why I, why keep that secret in case enemies then can figure out vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities and perhaps devices, sabotage? Yes. Perhaps that I think it's just because I think here's what I think here's my theory that they're think? keeping it away from the civilian road cars because it is by far and away the best riding car in the world. Rolls Royce Phantom, Cullen, and whoever you are, eat your heart out. This thing you could charge. You know the whole thing about Citroen Two CV. You can drive it across a ploughed field. You know this thing you could drive it literally off a ravine and not notice. It is <laughs> unbelievably absorbent and to prove that they have this really gnarly kind of off-road test track and i was like so are those boulders are they like do they mark the limits of the track and they're like no that's what you drive over you know pansy (laughs) just aim it at that and it so here's the here's the test right so i drove the humvee over their off-road course and the top speed they were measuring me they were monitoring it the top speed i managed in the humvee was seven miles an hour that was as fast as i could go before like my eyes felt like they were going to fall out the front of my head in the jltv i did 30 miles an hour and wasn't even going flat out because the thing was quite valuable and it just was just absorbing stuff yeah. it was just so does it have any sort of road scanning tech again like, like... i asked that and they just go we you know we could tell you that but then we. But by which you. i mean um a lot of high-end luxury cars these days have technology with a camera that reads the road ahead so it knows a bump is coming up in 0.1 of a second and prepares the suspension accordingly. i would be really really confident it did have something like that but again they won't say but if for example in a few years a cadillac turns up with a road scanning system which means you can basically drive you know up a curb and across a railway line and not notice 
I'd imagine that maybe had its origins <laughs> in something military spec. Really so it, it, tiny windows. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, tiny windows and a <laughs> yeah. 50 cal on the back in the options list. So. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was just fascinating. And it's, some of the details as well, like, like I said, I can't, if you go online and read the feature on topgear.com, you won't see any pictures of the interior, but I can tell you some bits. Like the fact that the seats, the backrest of the seats were, had a big hole in the middle. I was like, what's that for? And they said, oh, that's so. Soldiers, when they're getting in and out, they don't have to take their backpacks off. They just sit into the seat, but the backpack kind of goes through the back of it. Because if you need to get in and out in a hurry, which in a war zone, you probably likely to, taking your strapping your rucksack on and off could be the difference between getting out of a vehicle in time and not. You know, when you're deploying, speed is 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 the answer. And is that stuff... why the M3 and M5 have cutouts in their carbon buckets? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's more for the bag, owner's yeah. love handles <laughs> than, the, uh, than a life-saving design feature. Than your Jamsport but... rucksack, yeah, when you're yeah. lunching. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and the fact that, so this adaptive suspension that you were talking about, what else is really clever about it? You can drive up a 45-degree slope. So imagine the car's cranked over 45 degrees. You're hanging that's out the window slope. almost. Yeah, side slope. It will, the car will then automatically, without the driver doing anything, just equalize itself and drive flat. So the wheels are at 45 degrees, but the body is flat. And I said, why is that? And they went, because it's easier to shoot from a flat platform. Yeah. You know, otherwise your guns are going to be basically pointing a bit at the ground. Yeah. It's just stuff like that. They've just thought Shoot through. out of, not at. Yeah, shoot, yeah, yeah, to use as a gun platform to shoot at whatever you're... Which is the point where you obviously went, to. excellent, can I have a go at that, please? Yeah, unfortunately, on, so on there, on there, as predictably, the guns are not loaded. The on the one that they lent out to the to, to, to <laughs> me, it was very much like this is this is as it you can drive it, but you're from Top Gear, not Top Guns, yeah. so you're not going to be firing anything. But it was what was impressive about it was yeah, just the way it drove, how easy it made everything inside. It's got a touchscreen. I hate touchscreens in cars normally, but this has got the world's easiest touchscreen to use. Massive, great big tiles, which are really easy to hit and work with the gloved hand. What do they sort of say? Shoot back to base. <laughs> it's all just, it's all comms. It's all like, yeah, it's not like, you know, where's the nearest, take me to McDonald's. It's proper like, you know, c- communication. And, and there's probably like calling airstrikes somewhere in there. But again, it was all just... It's so easy to use. My favourite thing was it did have four jumbo-sized cup holders. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for your pint of Starbucks. Four seats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four seats and then there's handholds and stuff on the outside. So if you do, you know, if other guys have got to hang on to the side, then you can do. You know, it's all, it's all, you know, they've kind of thought of everything. And pick up back sort of thing on it. Yeah, there's different, it's sort of different body styles. You know, you have it as you would specify, depending on what kind of, um, you know, if you want to mount weapons back there or if you want to have supplies or just have it open. You know, the sky's the limit, basically. I'm imagining there's no online configurator. (laughs) <laughs> that would be quite good. There isn't, and it yeah. only comes in yeah. desert sand at the moment. But also, I liked it because that's what I remember the, about the Humvees that for the for the kind of paramedic version or ambulance versions, they had that clamshell where they could just put throw a stretcher in the back. Didn't have that for you. No, but interesting you've mentioned civilian versions because I had to ask. So the, the the reason that the the Hummer came about was because Arnold Schwarzenegger allegedly you know drove an H a, a, a Humvee and said that you should do one of these for the street. And they did. And they started off with the H1, which was literally just a Humvee with the guns taken off it. And then the H2 and the H3, obviously, which came to Europe. And I said, well, you know, given this thing has got a standard Chevy engine, transmission, could you, you know, if someone came to you and said, could I have one privately, would you? And they basically went, engineering-wise, it's, it's completely possible, but it's more that so much of this is classified now. So much of this is hyper 
advanced technology. By the time we'd taken all of that off it, we'd basically be sending you a kit of parts that sort of want, were once attached to a car rather than something you could drive to the shops. Do you know, it, it's fascinating. We In this uh, highly skilled and professional area of road testing in which we exist, really you're looking for sort of fitness for purpose in the in a car, aren't you? It's why, um, you know, it's why a little super mini that costs 10 grand can could be a 10 out of 10 car just as a 300 grand Ferrari supercar is. It's, 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 but this is, it's the most concentrated, boiled down version of a fitness for pur- purpose car. Isn't yeah, because your life literally depends on yeah. it and the freedom of your country might do. And so there is no room <laughs> for BS. Mm. And then, but what's interesting, I sort of, what I found odd about it was balancing that, balancing this kind of like, you know, the future of the free world with operating costs. Yeah. You know, the US military's got a pretty bottomless budget, but even so, that was a massive parameter. So they, um, they had to prove that the car, despite being very expensive to produce and very complicated, would be more efficient on, on its whatever fuel it was running on and, and wouldn't need servicing. So it's actually got longer, it goes 4,000 miles further between services than a Hummer would, if a Hummer would, could drive for 4,000 miles without yeah. being blown to pieces. And over the course of the the JLTV's life, they've estimated it will save over eight billion dollars in taxpayer funded. And hang on a minute. Uh, what, what what was the contract worth? Uh, six point seven five billion. They've is done. What they've paid. They, they, I see what they've done. Then they looked at the numbers and gone. Tell you what, they're about to give us six or seven billion dollars here. I reckon if we tell them they'll save eight, <laughs> it's a done deal. It's but it a was, done deal. I've, I've really been so impressed. You know, we often talk about being impressed by like the depth of engineering in a car. You drive a, a track ready Porsche or a, you know, a, a Land Rover Discovery, and you get that real sense that, you know, some incredibly clever people have spent a phenomenal amount of time and, 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 and money and effort getting that just so. But this thing, the way that it, rode like a Rolls-Royce better than and yet felt completely indestructible and yet was efficient enough to do kind of 15 miles per US gallon, which is obviously sounds terrible, but is, you know, pretty good for effectively Was it a light to drive? Was it quite easy to drive? Yeah, completely easy. You know, Aldi, you've driven loads of race cars. And I think you've often said about how the funny thing is how some race cars, modern race cars, are actually designed to be easy to drive. If you're doing a long Le Mans stint or something, you need them to have a sort of low amount of... You know, not, in yeah, and, yeah, not giving you too much to do, and that's what this was. You've got an automatic gearbox. It had very light, easy, you know, steering. Despite the fact it's got like thirty-seven inch tires on it, because it needs to. You can just palm it along with one hand. It's got lots of torque. Um, it, yeah, it didn't. The driving it around town sounds b- bizarre, but apart from the visibility. Very, very small windows and the fact that they're so thick, it does that weird thing like when you look for a glass of water and it sort of bends the light. So you kind of go, oh, that car in front's miles away. And then you realise it's actually a foot in front of you. just it. run it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, ah. was, what was that bump? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apart from that, it was, because it is based on powertrain-wise and can touch point-wise, you know, the gear lever is off a Chevy Silverado. So it just feels very, very normal, much more so than the Humvee which did feel like some sort of antique kind of, yeah, military-grade tank out of a museum. Mm. It was really, really fascinating. But how, mu- how much is one? Uh, Each, they, they, individual they... prices, yeah, again, it very much depends on specification. The contract is for six billion, uh, yeah, six billion dollars, and they're going to build them for the next... They're going to they're gonna remain in service until 2060. So wow. you're talking, at le- you know, a full half decade of 
of, of service. And in that time, they're going to get really advanced. The, the, the thing that they're then working on, which comes back to what you're saying about have they got road scanning on cameras, the thing that they're working on next is one that will need no soldiers in it at all. They're working on drone JLTVs, effectively. Imagine one that's completely remote control, one that's intelligent, can, can identify the enemy, can dispatch the enemy, and drive in and out of the kill zone without needing to put human beings on board. Mm. At that point, you have effectively a, you know, like you have drone aircraft that don't need a pilot, you could now have a land-based attack or, def- or defense drone. Great. Could, they, were, they were talking about like sending... the DARPA the, test, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they were talking about sending these things... Imagine if you had troops trapped, pinned down, you know, unable to get out, running low on ammunition, low on supplies. There's no hope of rescue. You know, there's no air support. You can't send a helicopter in there. Imagine just being able to send off a fleet of JLTVs like an Uber. Yeah, and, and put a pizza in the back. And we, yeah. we, and they yeah. just Uber Eats at the same time. Drive in, hop in, boys, and off we go again. And you've got all this armor on. You know that you can take a, you know, a beating on the way out and you're going to be just fine. Stick it's... Radio 4 on. We'll be back in. We'll be back before breakfast. Yeah, robots don't listen to Radio Four. Heart. No, when the troops get in. Oh, the troops get in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it depends what mood they're in. Depends what mood they're in. Yeah, it's one of the more kind of serious sort of toned features I've probably done in terms of like American car culture because you are talking about a thing that's designed to go around the world and get involved in in war zones, and it's not something that we're glorifying. But I think it's in, it's it's important, and I think a lot of us, you know, the car that you see most on the news since 2000 was probably a Humvee. You know, every news report, Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on, there was always shots of Humvees lumbering across the desert. If America gets involved in any conflicts in the next half century, it will be a JLTV that's being beamed into your front room. Well, look, um, I think if the uh, Defence Secretary of the UK hasn't spoken to you already... They certainly will be after they've listened to this podcast. <laughs> Several classified. No, no, we haven't given away anything classified because they wouldn't tell Ollie in the first place. But they did have to um, approve the uh, the pictures oh, as well. Right. I should say that yeah, that's the reason we are allowed to talk about this. Is that yeah? After we Mark took all the pictures, they were then all confiscated, and Oshkosh made very very sure that nothing that was potentially useful to uh, any kind of hostile force was going to be published um, in our magazine that also featured, what, a new Bugatti and us towing a Lamborghini with a Lamborghini. It's a very rich <laughs> issue, that one. It's a good <laughs> issue, isn't it? Well, this is this whole idea, looking back at what we've done in the past. And, um, I mean, well, this is a story that's going to stay relevant until 2060. So um, a, a, an evergreen one there from Ollie. Worth staying in that flea-bitten motel. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just about. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Uh, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe.